Today is September the 12th. Do we need to defend God? Let's find out together as we study 1 Samuel chapters 5 through 10. Today in reading through the Bible in a year, 1 chapters 5 through 10, um, you will have noticed chapters 5 and 6 deal with the ark in Philistine territory. Now, chapter 5 tells us that they stored uh, the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of Dagon. Um, Dagon apparently is the god of the underworld. Uh, the word dog in Hebrew is fish, so some believe that he was a fish god, and actually uh, a phrase here seems to imply that he was a combination man-fish uh, representation of him. The interesting thing about this is uh, the Ark of the Covenant is in um, in the temple. The next morning when they get up, the image of the god Dagon is prostrate before the Ark of the Covenant. So they put everything back in shape. And the next morning when they wake up, the head and the arms have been knocked off, thrown outside the temple, and the torso of uh, Dagon is prostrate before the Lord. Now, what the Hebrew actually says is the fish part was left prostrate before the Lord. So uh, that's why uh, we do believe that uh, Dagon was a combination fishman, uh, body of a fish, but pictured with arms and a head. Uh, the Philistines weren't sure what to do. They knew they needed to get him out of uh, the temple of Dagon. They did. They sent the ark to Gath, and the people of Gath got tumors. Uh, they sent the ark to Ekron, and the people of Ekron also got tumors. So in chapter 6, they said, what do we need to do? They said, well, let's send the ark of the covenant back to Israel but we'll do it with gifts. We'll make five golden tumors and five golden rats to represent the five cities uh, here in this area that have been affected by a plague of tumors and apparently an infestation of rats. That goes by and large unmentioned until they start talking about what to do. They send um, uh, they send the ark back first to Kiriath uh, Jerem and then to Beth Shemesh. Beth Shemesh literally means house of the sun. Now in chapter seven, uh, Samuel uh, first of all sacrifices. Uh, when he sacrifices, the Philistines attack. It's almost like Samuel doesn't even notice, but uh, the Lord begins to thunder and rain on the Philistine army. Now, they perceive Jehovah as uh, similar to their Baal, the god of thunder. Baal is pictured standing atop two bulls with lightning bolts in his hands. Well, the lightning starts to fall, thunder starts to roar Rain comes down in droves, and uh, the Philistine army all of a sudden stops attacking. 
Israel sees it, and it's not so much that Samuel stops what he's doing and leads Israel, but Samuel continues what he's doing. He continues making the sacrifice. Now, Israel fights against the Philistines, and they drive them back. Israel has a great victory that day. Chapter 8, the first two verses say, as Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba, but they weren't like their father. They were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. So Israel comes to Samuel and says, give us a king. Samuel tells them in a speech, you shouldn't ask for a king. Here's what the king will do. He goes to God and he says, God, what do we do? The Lord says, Samuel, it's okay. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. In chapter 9 and 10, we're introduced to Saul as king. Samuel, who at this point is serving as high priest, he's serving as judge, and in essence, he is serving as a military leader, in addition to being known as a prophet, someone to whom you go to discover things that you didn't know. Well, Saul's father uh, has donkeys. Saul uh, uh, comes from a rich family. Saul uh, was striking himself, chapter 9, verse 2. His son Saul was the most handsome man in all Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. So Saul's a massive, he's a mountain of a man. But when he talks about himself, look at how he talks of himself. Chapter 9, verse 21. I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. My family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. And he's the least important of the sons. Um, this is important We'll come back to this tomorrow in our study. But today it's enough to know that Solomon's father was missing his donkeys. Solomon goes to uh, Samuel to ask him where the donkeys are. Samuel is a seer. He can tell him. When he gets there, Samuel says, don't worry about that. Your donkeys, uh, they've returned home already. But you stay here. Saul gives a uh, Samuel gives a banquet honoring Saul as the key figure in the banquet and during that banquet he anoints Saul as king Saul is confused he doesn't quite know what to do Samuel sends him home on his way home notice chapter 10 verse 10 when Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. Now apparently, the word for prophecy here is the same word that's always used in Scripture. But apparently there's something else going here. 
There are the standard prophets when a man simply speaks God's words. But then there's prophecy as the nations around Israel understood prophets. Prophets around Israel would enter into some form of ecstatic dance. And apparently this is what happened to Saul. Not of his own will, but the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he began to shake. He perhaps fell to the ground and they said, look, Saul is prophesying. It actually began a saying, Saul is among the prophets. Israel gathers together. They select a king. That king is selected according to chapter 10, verse 20, by lot. And the lot falls. Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by lot. Then he took each clan of Benjamin. The Matrite uh, clan was taken. Then the family, Saul's family, was chosen. And finally, Saul was chosen from his family. They looked around for him. They couldn't find him. They said, where is he? In verse 22, the Lord replied, he's hiding in the baggage. So they found him, and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders taller than anyone else. Tomorrow we'll continue the story of Saul. Today, remember we started with the question. The question was, do we need to defend God? Well, look at what God did here. God took care of himself. No, we don't need to defend God. But God does want us to defend him, to always be ready to present his side. Does he need it? No, he'll take care of his own business. Nevertheless, we can certainly defend God. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we'll answer the question, is an inferiority complex a lack of self-esteem, is that sin?